You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Lots of ground to cover on this Tuesday edition. Of course, 60 minutes to run through it all. So let's roll, of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I am on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. The daily poll question is up. It's running. We will get into that in a little bit. We've done it again, people. We have done it again. Looked like today might have been the end of the poll question, but no. Pulled one out of the fire in the last minutes before the show. I am truly amazing. Truly incredible. Aren't I, Brian? I'm amazing. Nobody else agrees, but I agree. But let's start with away from the field. Yesterday was a very busy day. A lot of different things happened yesterday. You had the NHL trade deadline, which not only was I aware of, which might have come a shock to some people, but I was actually into. So we'll touch on that in a second. But away from the field, or in this case, away from the court. First up, yesterday was the Kobe Bryant Memorial. And I would just like to say, I I think everybody's kind of in agreement. Man, what a job they did with that. I I woke up from my nap yesterday and uh, didn't really know what to expect, but knew that it was going on. And the first thing you see is Beyonce singing. And uh, you know that, uh, look, it's in L.A., right? It's Kobe Bryant's maybe the biggest star in L.A. at one time. And uh, that is star power. And I thought yesterday was all the things that you kind of maybe expected and maybe didn't expect. It was touching. It was poignant at times. It was funny at times. Heartbreaking at others. And the list of people that spoke at that, I mean, the, the, the heavy hitters, right? Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal, Jimmy Kimmel was the first speaker. Saw Alicia Keys singing. Christina uh, Aguilera was out there, right? She was singing as well. Thought they did an absolutely beautiful job of not just honoring Kobe, which you would expect, but also his daughter Gigi. So uh, And so much talk about how she wanted to attend UConn, which is a story we've kind of found out after the fact, right? Uh, and Gina, Gina Oriema was out talking about the talent she showed at such a young age. He did a beautiful job. But obviously, uh, Vanessa Bryant, uh, w- what can you say? I mean, she did just such an amazing, under the most impossible circumstances, speaking about the death, if everybody's ever had to do that, speaking about the death of a loved one is just a brutal task. It's just it's so hard. And to just keep it together. And here she is talking not just about the death of her husband, but talking about the death of her daughter, doing it in front of 20,000 people in the arena and millions across the world. I thought she did an amazing job under what must just be the most incredible sadness and just daily torture. I mean, she must wake up every single day. And if you've had the death of a loved one, it's there's a, a stage where every day you wake up. And you remember it all over again, right? Like you wake up for the first second or two and then it hits you all over again. And she clearly must be dealing with that. And I thought she did just an amazing job yesterday under what are the most brutal of circumstances. So, I mean, to everybody involved yesterday, if you if you watched it yesterday and you have some thoughts, 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. Now, away from that was away from the court. Away from the ice was the NHL trade deadline yesterday, and I'm not going to spend a whole an incredible amount of time focusing on it. But it was interesting to me yesterday that both the Islanders and the Rangers. Speaking of a weird day, the Rangers certainly had a weird day. But first off, I'll say good to see the Islanders. What Islanders? You say? 
your Islanders, my Islanders. Good to see that they make a, uh, a move for a goal scorer. They get uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot. And uh, you don't need to be a hockey expert or follow the team all that closely to know that the Islanders' issue here has been trying to score goals. I mean, that road trip they had, they basically never scored. So they finally, they've had some close calls before. They had some close calls before the season with Panarin, not able to get him. There were plenty of rumors about Zach Parisi, not able to get him out of Minnesota, but still good boost for them. And hopefully that kind of gives them a little bit of boost here as they've, uh, you know, kind of been floating along in that uh, wild card spot. And maybe now this thing can allow them to um, solidify that with the Rangers coming up in the rear view pretty quickly. And the Rangers talk about a wild day for them. I'm driving home yesterday and they're talking on uh, Rick, Chris and Dave about uh, the the Rangers going to be holding this press conference. You think it's a like, whoa press conference? All right, must at first you're thinking is that well they must have traded Kreider, right? I mean, there's been so much talk about trading Chris Kreider, not being able to work out the extension with him. But then you're thinking, oh, maybe it's a maybe it's a trade for something else. Maybe it's another move, or maybe it's something to do with Lundqvist. Maybe he's finally waving his no trade clause, and then it turns out the real headline of the press conference, what part of it was Kreider. But part of it was that uh, Shosturkin and uh, Pavel Bichnevich were involved in this car accident. You didn't expect that. And luckily, uh, well, Shosturkin is going to be sidelined here for a couple of weeks, at least with the rib fracture. But luckily, it was not any more serious than that. But then you get the extension for Kreider, which seemed like, I mean, from everything you read and saw, it seemed like it was getting more and more unlikely by the day. But they are able to uh, get a deal done there. And I guess it's a – I mean, I'm an outsider. I'm not a big hockey fan. It seems like a strange approach considering that, especially now with the, the injury to Shesterkin, that the playoffs you would think it's going to be – it's already a pretty tough hill to climb to make the playoffs this year. You have this this asset which seems to be performing at a higher level than he ever has before. And – it seems like the, the the price for everything in terms of goal scores, in terms of talent at the trade deadline, was pretty high. Like, you look at what uh, the, the Islanders had to give up to get Pajot. They gave up a first rounder, a second rounder, I think a third rounder too, a conditional third rounder. So it seems like the Rangers certainly could have really struck a huge deal. And they already got a bunch of young players from, from everything you read, you know, either up here or about to get close and uh, it seemed a little bit of a strange thing there in terms of just building a team. But they get the, the, the contract done, seven-year deal for him, good for that. And then they go around and trade Brady Shea for another first-rounder. So a uh, pretty active day for them, even though it seems like, what, they're six points out. They got about 21 games to go. I guess that's not insurmountable. But the injury to uh, Shesterkin, now he's going to be out what they say is two weeks. Maybe, I guess it would have to be longer. You wouldn't think it's any any less than that. That just puts that hill to climb as a little bit harder. It just seems like a strange approach as an outsider, not a big hockey guy, that uh, that's the way they decided to go. But 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number, 1-800-919-3776. But we got a lot of stuff to touch on today. You have Garrett Cole make his uh, spring debut yesterday. And I would say don't blink because you'd miss it, but you'd miss it anyway because it wasn't on TV anywhere which seems like a very strange – baseball is doing all these things. Get the young voo you or get everybody to watch, and then you can't get to see the guy's spring debut, which was only one inning. It's not really that big of a deal, but with all the anticipation surrounding that move and the fact that it was the biggest move 
of the offseason, you'd like to be able to actually see it in real time and not look for clips on Twitter or not. But uh, Garrett Cole also had some very interesting things to say about the Astros. And if he is to be believed, and not just believed, I'm sure he feels like he's telling the truth, but whether or not he would know uh, remains to be seen. But he had some very interesting comments about the Astros and what went on the two years that he was there. You have Deontay Wilder took no time to uh, answer questions if he would seek a rematch against Tyson Fury and what he blames for the loss on Saturday night. You have Mark Teixeira, some big comments yesterday on Get Up about the Astros scandal and how it impacts the Red Sox. The Knicks were back in action uh, last night. Not really a surprise. They lost again. But some clarity about when uh, the next step, Leon Rose, is going to happen. So lots of stuff to do today. And the poll question, which is up for today, it's on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. And I'm wondering how this one will go. Yesterday, we had the Deontay Wilder one, right? Everybody, it seems like, is in agreement that Deontay Wilder's camp, his his training staff, did the right thing. Mark Breland did the right thing by throwing the towel. But once again, what do I always say about the poll question? To get 90% of people to agree on anything is next to impossible. I think, you know, we've been running poll questions now for three years, every single solitary day. And yet, yesterday, we came close, 89.4%. But again... 89.4% saying yes is not 90%. It's very hard to get 90% of people to agree on anything. And I certainly don't think today's poll question will result in 90%. I think this one will be close to 50-50. But the poll question today is 58 days until the NFL draft. We haven't really focused anything on football lately. It's been a little bit of a quiet time since the Super Bowl. But I did want to focus on a couple of things today. One in regards to Dave Gettleman. And the second is the focus of the poll question. Today, Joe Burrow is expected to speak at the scouting combine. So I do think that there's some uncertainty surrounding him because you've had this question of whether or not, as the presumptive number one pick, he would ever say, hey, I don't want to play in Cincinnati. He's not said that so far, but if he ever did feel that way, you would think that there might be a little bit of a hint today when he gets to speak. So our poll question is, Imagine you're the quarterback. You're Joe Burrow, right? You're coming off this amazing season. I would have to say the most amazing season for any quarterback in a a college year. You win a national championship. You win the Heisman Trophy. You set records here and there. So imagine you're Joe Burrow. You're going to be the number one pick in the draft. Would you refuse to play for Cincinnati? We gave you two options. A, ABC, anybody but Cincy. Or B, Bengals or bust? Which would you do? Would you absolutely play for the Bengals and be that number one pick, or would you force your way out of Cincinnati even before you got there? Is this the greatest February ever? This has to be the greatest February in the history of February, in terms of weather. Like, February is usually the month where there's light at the end of the tunnel, right? You got spring training to kind of help you through. But usually... By this point of the, the calendar, you're just done with February. You're dealing with snow. You're dealing with cold. You're dealing with wind. Wind is the worst. Wind serves no purpose whatsoever, and it's just brutal. Makes everything worse. Makes nothing better. Nobody has ever gone out of the house and said, well, thank God it's windy today. Wind is the absolute worst. At least kids like snow. Nobody likes wind. And yesterday... 
Another brilliant day. And I think today, what is it supposed to be today? 51. How fantastic is this? We don't, we don't appreciate the good things in life enough. And this is one of the good things. This February, I am, I am decreeing this February, greatest February in the history of time. I might be overstating it a bit, but yesterday I was out running yesterday in shorts. I was exercising out. I was exercising. That's the first headline right there. I was exercising outside in shorts. I don't know what, what it, I just felt guilty. Like I have to go exercise. Maybe it's, you know, Dave is doing this incredible weight loss and they, he's now, I believe under his goal weight. I don't know. Is it does do we know? Can you go through the rundowns and see if Rick has suggested when the date is going to be that Dave gets back to his original weight? Because that's that I probably is going to be the next thing. You know, Rick and Chris like to torture Dave. Poor Dave, but he's been doing great. So I was outside running yesterday, and this has been a rough week. I'm not going to lie to you, because this week I finally gave in and ordered reading glasses for myself. I've been holding my iPad across the room so that I can actually read it because the small pr- I just can't see the small print. So I finally ordered reading glasses this week. So then yesterday I go outside to go running. I'm in my shorts. I'm walking down the driveway and I see one of my neighbors. Now, I've never met this neighbor really before. He has asked me a couple of other times whether or not I play basketball. It's the only thing this guy has ever said to me. He said it two other times. So I'm walking down my driveway. I got my AirPods in and I got big ear holes. So I have to wear like a wool hat to keep the AirPods in while I'm running. Otherwise, they fall out of my ear. I got issues. So I'm walking down the driveway and, you know, I give the the nod. Hey, how are you? And I can see the music's playing, but I can hear that he's saying something to me. So I take the hat up. I take the AirPod out of my ear. I said, you know, what's going on? And what's the guy's question to me? Do you play basketball? So I I, I, I said, no, I said, I don't. I don't play. He's an older gentleman. I said, I don't play basketball. I said, even though I'm tall, I'm 6'2", and I'm thin, and I'm relatively, I joke, I'm relatively in good shape. I can run around a little bit. I said, I don't play basketball. So I put my, I thought that was the end of the conversation. Put the ear pot, put the hat back down. I can hear that he's still talking. So I don't want to be rude. Hat back up, AirPod back out. He said, well, I was going to invite you to play in this rec league for basketball. It's for seniors. I'm thinking to myself, buddy, you're offering, I'm 49. Seniors? It's the most insulting thing that I've ever heard in my life. Seniors. He thinks I'm a senior. So I was already having a bad week when I had to get the reading glasses. Now I'm playing in a rec league with seniors. Although I was running later on, I'm thinking, you know, maybe I could dominate. You know, it depends on how old the people are in the senior league. It's possible I could just go in there and dominate. Run you could around, be like LeBron rebound, James in that Right. League. Throw some elbows. At least throw elbows at that guy for it's suggesting that I go play with a bunch of seniors. And, and the, the, of course, the realization like, at first you think the positive, then I thought the negative. What if I go and play in the seniors and the seniors are absolutely dominating? That, that Then I would be – forget about a bad day. It would be a, a bad month. All right. So uh, it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. 
Uh, I did want to get into the football a little bit with the poll question today, which is up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. It's about uh, Joe Burrow, who is expected to speak at the scouting combine today. But I did want to kind of touch on a couple of football things that have been on my mind. A, it's funny. When you think about the world that we live in right now, and I was thinking about the greatest February, everybody should be in agreement on that. But in the world that we live in now, nobody, not everybody can be in agreement on anything. But what the other side of that is, is that no matter what the facts are, whatever the reality is, that most of us all can see, it's it's completely obvious to anyone to see, there will always be someone else who I don't think is trolling necessarily, but they how they will stick to their guns no matter what the facts are. So yesterday, you get the report that the Browns are going to be releasing Olivier Vernon, former Giant, right? So I go on Twitter and I'm looking at different things, and I see a couple of Giant fans say, well, you know what? Another great move for Dave Gettleman, right? He trades... Snacks Harrison, he's getting released by the Lions. Wow, you got a pick for him. Now you traded away Vernon in that deal. The Browns are releasing him. You traded away OBJ. He's coming off his worst year. Another win for the Giants. They don't get many on the field. There will be people that will defend Dave Gettleman And I think the main point that I saw was that people, well, you know, when it comes to trades, Dave Gettleman's done a fantastic job. Has he? Has he done a fantastic job? Because those are not the only trades he's made. I saw somebody even bringing up that uh, the the trade that they made for the punter. What is it, Dixon? Good punter. Another great trade. Yeah, you know, Dave, I think, was also involved in the trade for Leonard Williams, which at the time was a trade you're saying to yourself, why would you ever do that? It was so bad. On this show, we were asking, what's worse, trading the pick and not re-signing him or trading a higher pick and re-signing him? And I still don't know what the answer is. I think it's trading away. It was the fourth rounder if they don't re-sign him. Or a third rounder. I think that the trading away of the the lower pick and not even just giving away a pick is the better of the two options considering how much you're going to have to sign them to. But trades and Dave Gettleman has actually been a little bit of a hot topic here because the other day, maybe Monday, Peter King comes out with his weekly column for SI.com. And part of it was focusing on Dave Gettleman. And the fact that he has never traded down in the NFL draft. Never. Not rarely. Not doesn't trade in the first round. Has never traded down in the first round. So this is from the um, the the column. A GM who has made 45 picks has never traded down to accumulate more picks from any of the 45. That is borderline negligent. Maybe not even borderline. I would agree with them. I am incredulous about that. As I documented last week, GM John Snyder of the Seahawks used last year's 21st overall pick, traded down six times to accumulate six picks, one of whom was wide receiver DK Metcalf, who, as it turns out, produced better value than a 21st pick in most drafts as a rookie. And four other players 
from the trade played for the Seahawks last year. Trying to not make too much of that, but wow. Just wow. Well, I will say this. In fairness to Dave Gettleman, like he's going through 45 picks. And it is, I mean, it is mind-boggling that the guy has never, I mean, never once traded down. You never saw, you know what, I can get more value here. That's strange. Maybe not trading down in the first round as, as just worked out that way. Right? He's not been a GM for 20 years. I think he's been a GM now eight seasons or maybe seven seasons, whatever it is. So not all situations are the same. I will say this. As it is lining up right now, if there was ever a time, if there was ever a year where the Giants should absolutely be entertaining all serious offers, this is the year. Giants don't need a quarterback. They have their quarterback. Assuming Tua is healthy, or at least in the eyes of prospective NFL teams, Tua is healthy. And assuming that the Lions, who at least there's been some talk that they might be looking to either trade or draft a quarterback. But assuming that Tua is on the board at four and the interest is where it seems like it will be. If the Giants have the ability to move down, I don't care how many, it might be just one spot, might be further than that. And stockpile more picks, that is absolutely what they should do. The Giants' biggest problem is not necessarily defense or offense or this position or that position. They don't have enough talent. They don't have nearly enough talent on defense. Pass rushers, corners, linebackers, basically everything. The shopping list is basically everything. The Giants should not be going into the draft like someone in the supermarket who's going from this uh, from aisle one to aisle six to aisle twelve. They should be going up and down every aisle to figure out exactly. You know what? We got to investigate everything here. That's how bad of a situation they're in, and that should include looking actively to move down from number four. When you take a look at the difference between the good teams and the bad teams. What jumps out to you is the biggest mistake bad teams make is in the feeling that they are somehow better at talent evaluation than everyone else. Most overall, good teams realize it's more important to have more shots at the dartboard and that that has real value. Hit percentage across most teams is roughly the same. Hit opportunities, that's different. So you look at the Seahawks, or you look at the Patriots, or you look at the good teams around the NFL, they're constantly looking for ways on the margins to improve in any way possible. So it makes Dave Gettleman's idea or, or his approach of never trading down, never getting cute, as he says, really just mind-boggling. But maybe now that they have those analytic folk, maybe now the analytic folk might be able to get in Dave's ear and tell him this is probably not the way to go. Now, as for the poll question, that's about Joe Burrow, as I said. Expected to speak today at the scouting combine. Imagine you're the quarterback. Would you refuse to play for the Cincinnati Bengals? Well, I do think it's at least a question. Like just saying, well, you should be happy playing anywhere. Why should he be Matt, think about if this were proposed to you. Here you are. 
you're coming off not just the best season last year, right? He's going to be the number one pick. He's coming off the best season ever. And his future, his life is completely out of his hands. It's based on the fact that the Bengals were the worst team going. So I do think that there are situations where a guy should be thinking, well, I don't, I don't want to play there. And I think that Cincinnati is one of those situations. Like, I don't think that Joe Burrow might be saying to himself, well, I want to go to a situation where I'm going to win every single year. But you'd like to go to a situation where you win sometime, right? Like the Bengals, they've not been the worst organ. They've gone to the playoffs a bunch of times. But they've not won a playoff game, despite plenty of opportunities, in like 20 years. And they're not exactly an organization that you would say, overall, has a real commitment to winning, right? Like, when you think about the organizations who will just kill you just to get a little bit better, the Bengals are not a team that automatically comes to mind. So if I were to say, I'm Joe Burrow, would I refuse to play for the Bengals? Well, unless I met Zach Taylor and I just felt like, oh my God, this guy I'm completely on the same page as this guy. I would absolutely be entertaining the possibility. The problem that I think that Burrow has is that the other teams in the market, with one exception, might actually be worse than Cincinnati. Like of the teams that have been mentioned as possibilities to either move up, if Burrow says, I don't want to go to Cincinnati. And the Bengals entertain offers for him. And think about what they could get. I mean, you talk about having a smart approach. It might be the smart approach for the Bengals to pass on Joe Burrow, trade down, and stockpile two, three, four picks, five picks. Who? I mean, you'd get a king's ransom for him. I'm not saying all first-round picks. I'm just saying picks overall. The other teams, though, that would be interested if you're Joe Burrow might actually be worse. Like, would you rather play in Cincinnati or would you rather play in Detroit? Like, as bad as Cincinnati has been, Detroit's been worse overall. Like, in my lifetime, Detroit has never been good. There's never been a time where I thought to myself, wow, the Lions, they're really coming together. They've literally, I mean, 50 years, they've never been good. They've not fallen into a year by accident. After that, the Dolphins. Dolphins have been worse than the Bengals. They have actually been worse than the Bengals. The Chargers, well, I mean, the Chargers are back in the quarterback bar. They've had a quarterback for the last 15 years. Now, they've had some opportunities. They had a couple of years there where they had some shots in the playoffs, but it's been a while there. doesn't exactly seem like an organization's that uh, commitment to win. And then you finally have Carolina which seems like they would be in the market for the quarterback, and that would be a place, if I'm Joe Burrow and I'm getting together with my people, I have to investigate whether or not the, the Panthers would be willing to pay the price. Now with, with uh, Joe Brady, the, the offensive coordinator with LSU, now their offensive coordinator, that would be the target. But that would be the only target. Out of all the other teams that might possibly be in the market for a quarterback, I don't think that is an improvement for Joe Burrow to go to any of those teams outside of Carolina, and whether or not they'd be willing to pay the price that would be significant to move up. But they're a new regime. They got the coach in there. 
this is the first time that he's going to be, you know, Matt Rule now is their head coach, that he's going to be running the show. And it, you would think it's going to be the right approach. It's going to be, hey, we don't have to win exactly next year, but if they can get the quarterback in place right now, and if it means trading num- next year's number one, pro- you would think, right, moving up from seven, you'd probably have to include something else, if not another number one. You might have to trade this year, next year, and the following year's next uh, number one to move up. But to put all that on the same page, if they are, if Joe Brady, you'd have to believe, big believers in Joe Burrow, that would be the one that I would be saying behind the scenes to my people, make that happen. Oh, two from Wetland. Into right field. O'Neal is there. Ball game. Yankees win one to nothing as Wetland saves it for Andy Pettit. All right, so there you go. Today is the 57th birthday of one Paul O'Neill. So happy birthday to Paul. Man, he looks good for 57. I'm, I bet he's not getting invited to any rec, uh, Grandpa League rec basketball games because they realize that he would wreck them. So happy birthday to Paul O'Neill. We got baseball back last night with a little, uh, although you couldn't watch it, you could see some clips online of Garrett Cole in his Yankee debut, one inning, a strikeout. So away you go. And most importantly, he got through it healthy and uh, apparently no issues, which uh, maybe at the, this rate is the biggest shocker yet, considering how the Yankees things have gone here with the, either Aaron Judge or uh, James Paxson or Luis Severino. Still no update on him. But I did see some quotes from Garrett Cole. I guess this is from the other day. But with him pitching last night, he was asked about the Astros. And he said he's going to miss those guys. They're under scrutiny right now. So many people are coming after them. And yesterday, uh, I don't know if you saw this or heard this. I think heard is the more important part. Jose Altuve had his first at-bat of the spring. So you might be asking yourself, so, Gordon, how did it go? Batting second. The second baseman, number 27, Jose Altuve. I guess, but it wasn't overwhelming to me. And of the people that are booing and the people who are upset about it, we've certainly heard from a lot of them. I would just simply say, much like the players involved as well, all these players are coming out and telling you, oh, this is outrageous. Okay, don't lose that intensity. Don't lose that intensity throughout the long season. But back to Garrett Cole. He says that uh, I anticipate them bunkering down. I think he... Bunkering down? Is that a, is that a term? Bunkering down. I think they are going to play really hard and really well this year. Hopefully, if they do that, maybe they can get, they can quiet it down a, a little bit, proving this will be a fresh slate for them. Well, that is the thing, right? Like, they are going to still, I mean, it's amazing how people are just kind of discounting them. I realize they lost Garrett Colt. They're still going to be a really good team this year. That's part of the problem with the punishment. It doesn't punish anything in the here and now. It doesn't punish anything in the past. It really kind of punishes the future. You know, losing future draft picks. Okay, fine. But that's not really what you were hoping for from the punishment. But here's the real, where the rubber hits the road with these comments. Quote, but I'm telling you, we played fair and square last year. I didn't see anything in 2018 either. I really didn't, but no one wants to hear that right now. Well, no, nobody does want to hear that right now because of the way that Major League Baseball is handling it. And I guess he kind of leaves himself a little bit of an out by saying, 
I didn't see anything in 2018 either. So if it does turn out, the unlikely event that something pops up and there's somebody who comes out and says, no, they were wearing buzzers or there was this other system where they were cheating or they were cheating with pitchers in this way or that way. He couldn't look, he doesn't have an out there, but if it was something about the buzzers or electronics wearing them, then I guess he could say that he left himself a little bit of an out by saying, I didn't see anything in every, in uh, 2018 either. Everybody is entitled to their opinion. It's their own opinion. People will handle this way. They way, the, the way they want to handle it. We're all grown guys around here. I'm certainly not going to tell somebody how to think. I'm personally not offended, but I'm not sure that forgiveness is something that some people will even want to talk about right now. Well, no, of course not, because it's not, they've not been punished yet. Now, if the Astros go through this season and they're getting booed everywhere, left and right outside of Houston, and they're, they're, they're dealing with, you know, brushback pitches here or there, well, then maybe after that, I guess maybe you could at least talk about letting things go and, and, and moving on. But it's kind of tough to be moving on in the here and now when nothing's happened. There's been no punishment yet outside of being made to feel awkward in a press conference. That's not really the fitting punishment for them. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to the phones this morning. We'll uh, go out to Spike in Jersey. Spike, what's going on, my man? Hey, good morning, my friend. Uh, I got to tell you, I was so moved watching that ceremony. I just couldn't get away from it, and I had things to do. I, How a woman could have that much intestinal fortitude and strength, losing the husband and losing the child, I, I, yeah, I, it brought me to tears. I mean, I... Listen, uh, you know, you casually know me. I, that's, I'm just I'm not I'm old, but I'm not old thinking. I really just I don't I can't fathom how anyone can do that. I really and I've been around a lot of people. I've spoken in front of thousands of people. It, it just it just just got me. I can't even think about it now. It's upsetting me. So God bless it to her and her family and all the other survivors, uh, all the other deceased rather. And uh, let's move on and think about those kids. Yeah, I mean, look, they always say. Uh I've had some experience with it in my extended family. They say that if you you lose a child, the, the parent never gets over that. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, for her, she's got to kind of carry on now with the three other the three other daughters. So it's a it's a very tough situation. But I thought she handled it yesterday, and I'm sure that in private moments, it's it's not uh, it's not as easy to do at times. Uh, but uh, the way she handled it yesterday, I thought she did an amazing job and uh, being poignant and. Uh, and heartfelt, and I think that everybody kind of just felt for her for her situation. It's it's almost impossible to imagine and put yourself in that situation and try to think about what that would be like. Not just losing your husband, not just losing your daughter, but having to go out and speak about it in, in front of all those people. It's a, a very difficult thing, and I I thought she handled it uh, with uh, grace yesterday for sure. Anthony's in Staten Island. Anthony, go, my man. Hey, by the way, uh, I, when she said that, you know. Whatever God took them because they couldn't be here without each other. They right. God took them together. Uh, that broke my heart. I mean, um, but yeah, I totally expect that Houston's going to be competitive. They've got guys coming up and they're going to be good. But what I'm curious most of all is when is Major League Baseball going to release what Boston did? And if the Red Sox are proven cheating, I- I'd like to see how Cody Bellinger reacts now. Because he's been one of the most vocal guys, right? And now he's got Mookie Betts, you know, really out there in the outfield with him. You know, so I'd love to see that that, that dynamic. And I'm kind of curious, really, what's taken them so long. So I'd like to hear your thoughts about that. Yeah, well, it seems like, Anthony, the expectation, I don't know if anybody said that. It, I think, didn't, uh, didn't 
Manfred say at one point that it was expected this week? I know that that's the expectation that at some point this week we're going to get the. I think it was like I think it was like the end of this week. Yeah, the end of this week. So I mean, it's not just about the punishment. I think you have to kind of know what the crime is. With the Astros, the difference was we knew what the crime was, right? We had the video, they had the reports because of Mike Fires. The Red Sox, for to their credit, nobody's nobody's talking there. They're in terms of a mob crew. They are much better a mob crew than uh, the Astros were because Mike Fires, he uh, he spilled the beans. And the Red Sox, maybe because of uh, the uh, the way that they're put together, certainly with uh, David Ortiz's comments and uh, Pedro Martinez's comments, it's amazing they've been able to to keep their mouths shut. So we don't even know what their crime was outside of the fact that they had. Alex Cora, and you would assume that it was something similar, but I don't know that it was exactly the same as the the Astros was above and beyond. They had the camera, they had the the monitor in the dugout. It certainly seems like the Red Sox were doing something, and the fact that it's a second violation, even though it probably is not to the degree of what the Astros were doing, that's what's going to get them really punished. I guess what I'm interested more in than what the punishment is, because Cora is out already. I would assume it's going to be something similar to the Astros in, you know, loss of draft picks, fine, and they don't have to worry about a suspension, although Cora will have to worry about a suspension moving forward. And you would think it will be longer than just a year, right? If this is his, he was involved in Houston, he was involved in Boston, you would think it's longer than that. But we have to find out what the exact crime is and whether or not baseball, who wants to sweep this under the rug as quickly as possible and get everybody to move on as fast as possible, whether or not they're going to provide those details, I guess that kind of remains to be seen. Poll question, which is up for today on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, is uh, all about uh, Joe Burrow, who is expected to speak today at the uh, scouting combine. And uh, there's been that little bit of buzz, right? Like there's not really been anything to go on, but it's just people thinking – is it possible that Joe Burrow, even though he's from Ohio, might be uh, ready to pull like an Eli Manning and say, you know what, that, I'm not going to that organization. And that's our poll question today. If you were Joe Burrow, would you refuse to play for the Bengals? And at least so far, super close poll question between ABC, anybody but Cincy, or the second option, Bengals or a bust. And you can vote on the poll question. It's up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. I would say that I would probably not force my way out of Cincinnati unless I knew exactly, like the Eli thing, it was not just about forcing his way out of San Diego. It was that he knew he wanted to go to the Giants. Like he looked at that organization as being a state, and I think his father too, certainly had a hand in it. That was a stable organization that would handle him in the right way, even though there's still some uncertainty. So if I were Joe Burrow, if I could say and knew with people behind the scenes my people in contact with people with uh, the Carolina Panthers, if there was some interest there of moving up from seven to one to draft me, well, then absolutely I would be looking at that. Absolutely. But other than that, there's not all the teams that are looking for quarterback. I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's one that would be in a, a far better situation. And the other thing that I'm tired of hearing, we're 58 days from the draft. I do not need to hear this anymore. If Tua is healthy, well, then teams should be right. If the meal is edible, it might be pretty good. Right. Yes. Obviously, that's a huge red flag. Just saying, well, if he's healthy, there's no way you're going to be able to know that for sure. And if you're drafting Tua at three, at five, at six, wherever he gets drafted in that first round, 
you're likely staking your career on a guy with major red flags. Never mind the fact we don't know, even if he is healthy, we don't know whether he's going to be able to stand up to the to the rigors of an NFL season at his size. It's not just that he's coming off the significant injury that he ha- he he is ha- dealing with right now. It's also whether or not he is and anybody in that position is able to stand up to the rigors of uh, of an NFL season. So I would, if I were a team, Detroit, Miami, the other teams sitting high up in the draft, that uh, would be a question and one that I would not be willing to stake my career on drafting a guy who has had some injury red flags for sure. Speaking of injury red flags, we were spent a lot of the time yesterday talking about the Deontay Wilder fight. And man, does it feel like his loss, which was a complete and thorough domination from start to finish, no question about it. But it does feel like now everybody's going a little crazy the other way. Like most people thought that Deontay Wilder would go in and win that fight. But even if he lost, it seems like people are getting carried away now by saying, well, you know, he's a one-trick pony, it's just the one punch. He got a popped eardrum, or he's bleeding out of his ear pretty profusely. I think that that was the issue. And I don't know how you guard against that outside of not getting hit in the ear. I think that would probably be a good approach. But I think that that, you have to look at his loss through that prism. Now, his excuse yesterday was that his costume that he wore to the ring, which apparently weighed 40 pounds, impacted his legs. He didn't have any legs in the fight. Quote, a lot of people saw I wasn't the same Deontay Wilde in there, and they're correct. It's my own fault. My uniform I wore was very heavy for me. I had no legs from the first round on. That might be true. That's one you keep to yourself, buddy. You know, sometimes the truth is not always the best answer. And if that is true, that the costume that you wore, you wore, you're going to a boxing match and you wore a costume. That's part of the issue right there. And if it is true that that costume and walking to the ring wearing it, I don't know, man. I feel like I would just kind of keep that one to myself. That would be so embarrassing. I would not mention that out loud. Now, he has activated the clause and he's going to go for the rematch. I guess that's probably the right approach. Like most people, a lot of people were saying maybe you take some time and, and, and try to build your confidence back up. Doesn't look like he's lacking in any confidence in terms of his comments. So, and he is 34 years old. Like it feels like that Tyson Fury is the older guy because it feels like he's been around a little bit longer. But actually, he's significantly younger. He's only 31. So maybe the fact he's 34, he doesn't want to wait a couple of years where maybe he's starting to hit the decline phase. But it does seem like a little bit of a risk. But it's a huge payday. I get it. But it does seem like a little bit of a risk. And it kind of risking his career. Because if he goes out next time and performs anything like he did on Saturday night, it's tough to get excited about any Deontay Wilder fights from that point out forward. All right, that's going to do it for today. Please vote on the poll question. We're back tomorrow at 598.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.